Hey, everybody. I will keep this real brief. I am very excited to be talking to Ben Sorensen, who is on an Australian uh, comedian. Uh, he specializes in voiceovers. He's really fun, uh, not only to talk to, but uh, to listen to uh, in uh, other podcasts. Very funny guy. Uh, I'll drop all his uh, shit where you can find him, you know, in this show notes. Uh, I hope you enjoy my conversation with the very funny and brilliant Ben Sorensen. Ben Sorensen joins me all the way from Australia. I think you're a day ahead of me over there. If yes, uh, welcome to the future. <laughs> I was hoping for that joke. You've probably done that a million times. Is that... <laughs> yeah, but you know what? It never gets old. It's still equally as much fun and still freakishly accurate <laughs> it's a <laughs> it, that that's true that's what i was i was talking to uh actually i know someone who you've talked to before i was talking to scott curtis and i'm like yeah i went up on stage and i did five minutes about penises i know it was all hacky garbage he's like well you gotta do it <laughs> that's a rite of yep. passage <laughs> it is it is it is but um i think of the u.s as uh, compared to Australia, as the after party. So, for example, St. Patrick's Day, we've had that here, and then we oh. go on to the really cool after party, which is like the US. <laughs> so you can sort of extend anything out, because everyone wants to go to the after party. Because, I mean, the first parties could be the after parties. That's where, that's where shit gets crazy. Actually, I'm thinking now what would be really cool is an Australian New Year's Eve party. Where you celebrate uh, New Year's in Australia, and then what? Twelve hours later in America, or whatever it is. So, um, I I would have to do some research on this, but which is not a strong point of mine. Um, <laughs> but I actually think they had a very expensive round the world flight when you to extend New Year's Eve out for a disproportionately long amount of time. I, I think you're right. I remember reading about that, where they, they flew people... I'm not sure where, but they did do that. So I guess it's not an original yeah. idea. Still still a great, like, 14-hour party idea. Yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> bang up for spending 14 hours that I can't remember celebrating. <laughs> We just need a lot of cocaine and alcohol, and everything else will take care of itself. <laughs> Absolutely, and uh, if you have that much cocaine and you're hiding it around the house, don't mix it up with the sugar bowl, just saying. <laughs> it does put an extra zing in your coffee, though. <laughs> well, I've never tried that. <laughs> <laughs> the, hard, the hard part is cleaning the mirrored bench tops. <laughs> Well, I'm I'm very happy I, I'm able to <laughs> to talk to you. You are uh, you're very funny, obviously. Uh, and uh, An audio podcast, so I'm actually funny just to look at. But <laughs> well, you, you know, I went golfing uh, this past weekend with somebody, and he's like, "You've got a voice for radio." I said, "Yeah, face too," and he's like, "Ow." Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't gonna say it, but you did it. <laughs> and since you pointed it out, <laughs> uh, dear. But uh, no, and and uh, you know, I I've become a fan of yours for for a couple of reasons. As I said, you're very funny. Uh, I like the fact, and I realize I'm not actually talking to you through a microphone, so you can't hear my voice except for through the shitty computer microphone. Um. But I like the fact you've carved a career in voiceover stuff, uh, because I, I kind of uh, sympathize with that I, my whole life since I was nine years old. People are like, "Oh, you've got a you've again the voice for radio." <laughs> mm. 
Um, so I like that. And uh, I think I mentioned to you and I, uh, br- briefly, um, my daughter is on the autism spectrum uh, on, the, on the low level. And uh, the way I have, trying to say this in a, in a way that, that comes off okay, the thing I have found most helpful for her as far as like a therapeutic is actually comedy. Yeah, I totally agree with that. It, it's just, just, it's uncomfortable at times, <laughs> but you, and, and obviously she, my daughter. Well, I, you wouldn't know this. My daughter's eleven, so I, I, I force feed her stand up comedy, and obviously I can only go to the clean, you know, the Jim Gaffigans and the yeah. <laughs> of the world and stuff like that. But uh, that was the the hard part is is little jokes that everyone makes. She always uh, took very sensitively, and I thought, well, shove you in the comedy pool. Let's see how it works. Um, observational humor would be wonderful. Uh, I found observational humor was very great for me as well, and I still use a lot of observational humor simply because that's how my brain's wired. And and that's the the thing I've I've delved into, and obviously I'm sure you have too. But I've delved into so many uh, deep dives on things like that, and it's like, well, a lot of people think, you know, low levels of autism is actually like a, a an enhancement of the human brain. It's not a it's not a disability, which I I would yeah. agree with. It's not a disability. It's it's a tool that you can actually use that other people don't have access to. See, I think it is a tool, uh, and I think it's a case of being um, using using what you're given to your advantage. And I think the only time it doesn't become a tool is when we have a ignorant or oppressive society that goes, you know, you have to be like this. You have to be like that. You have to do this. And you go, well, I, I, I can do that, but just in a different way because I'm a little bit different. So nine to five jobs normally don't work so well for me uh, when it's work expands to fill allocated hours. And uh, there's a lot of things outside of that. But uh, if you are the captain of your own ship, then it's uh, it, it can actually be pretty good. You just got to listen to yourself and work out what you need. But then, imagine how good the world would be if we did that for everyone, not just neurologically divergent people. Right. I think that's actually the the first guest I had on this podcast uh, was a comedian who uh, almost killed himself, and I somewhat have joined that group of a, a I'm a wannabe comedian <laughs> but I almost killed myself so I'm almost there <laughs> I just you gotta get quite you've just got to be inherently broken enough to do comedy <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the thing is uh and I've talked about this on a with a couple every time I get a comedian on it's like you gotta have something broken inside of you to want to do comedy which is funny because I was just talking to a musician, and I'm comparing the two. They're art forms. You're expressing yourself. But musicians don't need to be broken. <laughs> comedians no. need to be broken. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a prerequisite for comedians to be broken. Um, for when musicians are broken, temporarily, they just write really good albums. <laughs> That's a good point. They're better when broken, but not, <laughs> not a re- prerequisite. Gaff tape seems to work better with musicians than it does with comedians. Yeah, that's it, it's it's fascinating um, as an older older person. <laughs> I'm I'm 34, and I, I drink a lot, so I consider it a midlife crisis because I I won't make 68. I don't think <laughs> so. Yeah, but well, uh, healthcare's not that good in the states, I hear. Uh, it depends on uh, where you work and all that. Depends if you're rich. Well, you know what you know what the problem is is in America. So your health insurance is tied to your employer, which is complete bullshit because it it, yeah. it becomes part of your your benefits. Yeah, your wage basically. 
So wow. So yeah, you could you could make more money working for a shitty company who doesn't care if you live or die and and get terrible health care. You can make less money, work for a company that actually cares, and you'll get great benefits. You'll have to pay barely anything. It's kind of tying tying health insurance to your employment was a big fuck up in America. <laughs> you know what? I, I I really love the equality that America has uh, discovered and moved into. Once upon a time, black people were slaves. Now, courtesy of Tying everything to your employer. Now everyone can be slaves. <laughs> that's that is exactly. I think that's what led me down the road to becoming a comedian. To be quite honest, I thought no matter how much I produce for this company, and I work for a different company than when I had this, but it's the same thing. <laughs> is yeah. no matter if I'm the best it's in the world thing. or the second to worst in the world, same. Same thing ends up in my pocket. The company just benefits based on my abilities, not me. <laughs> That's where comedy yeah. is intriguing or, you know, different. Yeah. Yeah, you should do a set about trickle-down economics and the efficiency and effectiveness of it on a large-scale large population. That'd be great. Well, so, so one thing people, uh, comedians have pointed out to me is... So I'm I'm not I've done over a decade as a professional in a in a certain field and not a, and it's an office job not a lot of comedians have a decade of office experience so I've got a whole world that I can riff on that other comedians can only kind of hypothetically grasp so uh, that that was yeah it, well and, and what what people have said is Take advantage of it. Work corporate and everything. Of course, my mind is always dirty, so I <laughs> I haven't gotten to the corporate comedy quite yet. Well, do you know what? Uh, it just depends which companies you do corporate comedy for. You know, there's there's quite a few uh, pretty loose companies out there that are going like, yeah, that's fine, that's fine, uh, and then occasionally you just have. Um, you tone it down a bit and you go for the whole uh, pleasant thing as opposed to the really funny stuff. Because pleasant is uh, amusing enough compared to uh, some dry corporate people. Yeah. Now, I, I've, I've glossed over uh, talking about your background mainly because I know it, but I realize I have a podcast and... Uh, you know the the hand the the couple dozen of listeners I have don't know your background, <laughs> so I do want to talk. I know you got uh, didn't you get your start in uh, uh, vaudeville or? Yeah, yeah, that was uh, like ages and ages ago. So I started out actually as a musician and started singing and dancing and doing you know variety shows and dinner theater and vaudeville stuff uh, and lots of skits. And that was great uh, until I realised that as a musician or to be a good musician, that takes a lot of practice, a lot of rehearsal and a lot of commitment and devotion. And most of that time is unpaid. Mm. So uh, I thought maybe, uh, uh, and also since I didn't think I was particularly good at that side of it, uh, I thought I would just open my trap and make people laugh. And that ten, that so far, that's worked out quite well. Um, but, you know, I still love music and I adore it and I absolutely respect musicians and the amount of energy and effort that they put into making, you know, wonderful music that can make us feel things when we wander around in this world dead inside. <laughs> so, you know, I think, I think that's a really good thing. Um, so, yeah, I started doing that and then I ended up doing uh, some TV for... Uh, uh, station Channel 9 here which is uh, one of our privately owned TV stations um, I did heap of radio for a couple of different radio networks uh, even got a breakfast spot which is sounds re in radio land when you get a breakfast spot you go oh wow I've made it on that station uh, but then when you actually do the breakfast spot you go oh just need to wake up at 3am every day Ooh. 
So, yeah, so it's a bit rough, and uh, or it was, but, um, you know, it was a great experience. Um, I think radio is a, a, a wonderful skill to have and also um, a wonderful medium to work with as well, the theatre of the mind. And, you know, it's really great. There's a lot of great people that listen to radio and I still have a lot of friends uh, in radio that... Um, uh, that do stuff and also some, some great people that I met that were, were listeners on the stations. So it's a wonderful instant community out there and it's it's great that it's still alive and well all over the world given the prevalence of video on demand and uh, YouTube and all these other things. So, yeah, so I did that. Um, uh, had uh, a stint where I was writing for magazines uh, doing some syndicated columns, uh, ended up doing a syndicated radio program, and we got that on 140 stations in five countries. Did that for a bit, about for oh, what eight, ten years or something. Um, but yeah, so it's been, it's been a bit of a wild ride. And now uh, I do comedy. I host uh, holiday shows all over the place. I um, really enjoy that. I do a lot of voiceovers and. And, and things like that too. So uh, now my world is a bit more fragmented, so I've got a bit of everything, but I also find that kind of works really well for my brain because everything's a problem to solve, everything's a challenge, and everything's you know different and exciting and new, and, uh, and I like that. I like that. I really love project-based work. That's great. And you've been, I, I, you've been doing uh, virtual uh uh, trivia, right? Yeah. So uh, we we did. Um, I don't. I don't even know if it's uh, currently accurate. But at one point, because uh, I live in Melbourne, Australia, we had the world's longest, hardest lockdown or something. Uh, I don't know if that's still true because you guys still got some issues in the states and Europe's got Europe's got some stuff going on there as well. Yeah. Um, but during that lockdown, I had a whole heap of my shows cancelled. So I thought, oh, well, let's do, let's do online trivia shows. And it turned out to be really great fun. Um, you know, we've got game show software, ask heap of questions, take the piss out of each other. Uh, it's, it's really, really great fun. Uh, but we are back to, in Melbourne, face-to-face events. So... You know, I do face-to-face trivia as well because I really enjoy knowledge and learning and stuff. And it's also a whole heap of fun. And there's very few times in life where you can actually go to work with a pint of beer in your hand. <laughs> and, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a huge win right there. But um, I think that um, transitioning to the online stuff during a pandemic was, uh, was a really great idea. I got to meet a whole heap of different people. And location wasn't an issue anymore. Ability wasn't an issue anymore. So everyone with an internet connection could join. And it was just so joyous because they go, oh, this is the first fun thing that I've done in weeks. Or it's just been Netflix. You're the only person that I've talked to properly in ages or seen. So, you know, it turned out that we did a little bit of trivia. And then in between the rounds, we would actually all just natter and chat to each other like you know 1950 (laughs) so it was it was really wonderful and you know there's lots of really really great people that are you know i still chat to now from those uh online trivia events so it was it's really wonderful and lots of fun and we got to give away some really really dodgy prizes I, I regret not knowing that that exists. One of the things that uh, a buddy of mine and I did weekly uh, was go to a trivia night. Now, I live in Florida, so we've, we've actually been pretty open for a long time. Uh, you know, you wear a mask and you can go anywhere you want, basically. Uh, and uh, But before COVID, every Monday, I think it was, it's been... Over a year, so I don't remember. We went to trivia. We always finished second or third. <laughs> yeah, there's something I mean, about those people. <laughs> yeah, there is, there is. But uh, you know, uh, coming second, it can be annoying sometimes. But it's always a, a good spot to be in a relationship. 
<laughs> Unfortunately, usually in relationships, I'm in the other one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, left hand doesn't know what the right hand's doing. No, well, well, yeah. Well, this jumps back to my uh, five minutes of hacking material about penis, right? <laughs> <laughs> It hey, I tell you, it got it got the best laughs. It, it's a minute and inch. <laughs> well, my my one of my punchlines was, I give the world's best hand jobs. Just don't ask me for one. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, mom. <laughs> I I I. I, I need to editorialize my podcast for whether my mother listens. <laughs> oh, right. Right. So uh, you could always just cut your mum's internet off and then you can be fine. <laughs> or do a second stream of podcasts, calling it the clean cut. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the whole interview is censored down to uh, five minutes. <laughs> And that's all we've got time for. <laughs> yep. Oh, looks like we're running out. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's a uh, now you know you know talking about comedy because that's what I I love to uh, love to focus on. Um, and you still do? Uh, have you been able to do stand up? I don't know how things are over there with you know in. Uh, so there, look, here we can do stand-up. We're about to w- walk into the Melbourne Comedy Festival, which is the second largest comedy festival in the world. Uh, this year I'm not doing... Uh, I've got a comedy festival trivia show that I'm doing, uh, but this year I've chosen to support a whole heap of other really fantastic comedians because it's been a rough year for everyone. So mm-hmm. I've put together a comedy festival venue which I've curated some really, really great shows uh, that have a little something for everyone at uh, the Belgian Beer Cafe in Melbourne upstairs. So we've got a sort of an 80 to 100 seat room with a little stage, some great lights and some even greater laughs. So I'll be doing that for uh, the next four, four or five weeks as the comedy festival sort of springs into action. So I'm quite excited about that. Uh, We plan to do a whole heap more shows in 2020 for the comedy festival and also for, you know, other touring and stuff like that. So we couldn't do that. But comedy is starting to get back up and running in Melbourne, which is fantastic. Uh, Some of the old venues that used to do it, you know, back in the dark ages before COVID, are starting to come back where it's it, people are still hesitant to come out sure even though for us here it's very very safe we've got lots of precautions that we've taken and we also haven't had a case of covid here in melbourne for i think it's 18 19 days a single so, case no cases at Jeez. all Jeez. In, in Melbourne. So that's that's pretty impressive. Lockdown works, masks work, you know, keeping, you know, 1.5 metres or six foot or whatever it is away, you know, makes a big difference. Who would have thought that personal hygiene could actually save your life? <laughs> yeah, one thing I love is, uh, uh, and it's funny, you, 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 you got the metric system into it because I think America is the only place that doesn't. But, well, there's actually, there's actually three countries that use the metric system. Two of the other countries I've never heard of. <laughs> yeah. But as, I, uh, I love people saying six feet away from me, regardless of disease. Metric or imperial, I, I just love it when people stay away. Well, hey, that... <laughs> That was always the uh, that was that was always my thing. Even even young, it's like uh, it's too crowded there. I don't want to go there. Yeah, it's not about germs. It's just I don't want you stay away. Give me space. (laughs) I went to uh, the Australian Open, which is one of the tennis one of the tennis grand grand slams. Um, So I was doing some hosting work there. So I went there the year year before. Uh, and it was it was great fun. Uh, got to see the women's finals, all of that. But so many people everywhere, and I got 
quite expensive tickets so that I could be with less people. But it was still really, really busy. And then this year when I was there working, um, we were running around with camera crew and there was lots of space. There was like hardly anyone there. And I went, that's really sad for the organisers, but I kind of like it. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. Oh, look, I'm already first in the line for beer. Oh, lucky me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, lucky me. I I don't, uh, and I I always, uh, I guess I'm uh, stupid to think that it was an American thing, but it's, uh, we don't need to be jam-packed in like sardines. Like, <laughs> well, you know, if I was an event organizer, I would absolutely disagree with you and go, please jam people in so <laughs> tickets and offset the risk uh, of putting on a million dollar, a multi million dollar event. But the event experience, you are bang on. It is way more comfortable and way better. Uh, I incidentally actually read some research a little while back talking uh, about trade shows and purchasing uh, the the optimal density of people to encourage purchasing at a trade show. So if you have too few people, your sales disappear because you don't have that flow. If you have too many people, your sales disappear. You've got to find that sweet spot in the middle. And they reckon that that was uh, one person per 1.5 to 2 metres. So that works kind of well with COVID. Right. Although indoors we have different... um, uh, Some places in Australia have got different uh, square metreage distances. So it used to be one person per four square metres inside and then they dropped it to one person to every two square metres. And now, you know... I reckon one to one and a half square metres a person's plenty, depending on the size of the person, but yeah. You know, I, I, I liked, as a as a stupid, big, fat American, I liked the six feet. I'm 6'2", so I'm like, so if I can lie down between me and the person near me, we're more than distant enough. So that was my, can I visualise myself on the floor here? Okay, we're good. John, I can visualize myself on the floor in most places. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've probably been on the floor in most places. <laughs> the only difference is face up or face down. Mm. And whether I have pants on. That's... <laughs> uh, you know, that's one of the other things that COVID taught me is pants are always optional. <laughs> Masks, no. Pants, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it's funny because I... Uh, normally dress quite well, or pre-COVID, always, always dress quite well. And then it got to, like, month two of lockdown, and I've just gone, do you know what? Stuff it. And then I had... I knew the joy of going out in public in a tracksuit. And I've gone, there is something in this. I really kind of, I know that it's probably not good, but I really like it, and I'm very comfortable. Yeah, it's... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's... Yeah. It's it's a problem that I, I'm curious, I don't know if it's a problem, but I'm curious how society at large recovers from it. <laughs> well, look, I'm I'm flirting with the idea of actually meeting halfway so having a going out track suit as opposed to a home track suit yeah yeah so then you go ah 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 this is my fancy going out track suit it's got pockets (laughs) it's got pockets no stains (laughs) no stains (laughs) but then the thing is you just got to stain your track suit enough so people don't recognize it as stains they recognize it as art Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, that's that's the key. And you have to eat many colours and foods. Like, if you spilt some of your asahi bowl on your on your pants, like that purple colour, they'd go, oh, that's fancy. That's a designer label. Where did you get that? It's like ripped jeans. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. 
I watched a I watched a video on um, uh, in Instagram where they had a they were selling a a, a machine that you put normal jeans into, and the laser will create the patterns and the worn spots in the jeans. And I'm going, so you're taking good jeans, <laughs> you're buying a really expensive machine to rip the good jeans before you sell them. Yes, that is what we're doing. That is what our company does. Uh, so, so human beings are insane. Correct. <laughs> it's just a universal logic. Love it. I, I I was talking to someone else. We were talking about the the flaws of humans. It's like, well, we are animals. Yeah, yeah, you know, animals with opposable thumbs. Yeah, and we took advantage of those thumbs a lot. <laughs> Do you know what? Look, maybe maybe whoever designed us, if you are a believer in God, uh, perhaps God was actually thinking, going. Oh, I don't know. Let's look, look. Let's just flip a coin. Do we give the opposable thumbs to the humans or the cats? <laughs> Can you imagine if cats had opposable thumbs? They would literally take over the world. Oh yeah, you could not sleep. They would stab you. Well, you know what's funny is uh, ants. If they if they just had the size, they would destroy us all. <laughs> we wouldn't well, exist. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about my 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 ants, but. My uncle's quite large. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's it's funny. Uh, actually, it's it's funny you even brought that up because that's one of those things. It's like eh, I just kind of choose to believe there is a God, not because I have any faith. It's just because I want order in my brain. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? The the existence of God only turned up with the uh, development of the frontal lobe in the human brain. Interesting. So, and you know what? Whether God's real or not, I'm not massively stressed because my philosophy on life, or what I'm trying to do, uh, in the words of uh, another great Australian comedian, uh, Adam Hills, is don't be a dick. Yeah, well, you, you know what's funny, and we're 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 uh, far away from comedy. But you know what's funny is one thing I've always said is beyond uh, uh, celebrations and and traditions, anything you do in the name of God is just terribly immor uh, immoral. Meaning, yeah, you can celebrate Easter, Christmas, blah blah blah. But if you're nice to someone because you think God wants you to, well, you're you're a dick. You should be nice because that's the right thing to do. <laughs> yeah. uh, so uh, philosophy talks about this quite a lot, and they, there's uh, a few interesting concepts that come into play with that. So they talk about moral desert. So going, well, I I, I did all this good stuff, so I'm entitled to X Y Z. And that is a transaction, not a good deed. Right. So, does that does that work for karmic points? No, it doesn't. <laughs> so if you are doing something to gain karmic points or for the purpose of return, it doesn't work. And whether that's God or the human condition or you know the great grasshopper, whatever, um, the same principle applies. We can actually actually live together better with that simple rule of, hey, how about we just do nice stuff? Let's not be horrible. And if we all do it, it makes it even easier for everyone to do it as well. Yeah. No, that's... Uh, I'm glad you brought the philosophical into it because I I had the uh, stupid American uneducated <laughs> in my head. <laughs> and anytime I talk to anyone, and, and it's funny because... To, to you, I have the accent. But anytime I talk to someone else with someone who has an accent, I'm like, oh, I'm the dumb American. <laughs> That's okay. We see dumb <laughs> Americans all the time over here as well. <laughs> That's, you know, I worked um, in college, actually. I worked for the Tampa Bay Rays, and we had, uh, I don't know if you follow baseball at all, 
but we had an Australian pitcher, Grant Balfour, uh, on the team. I think he, I think he pitched in the second most uh, games for an Australian in Major League Baseball. And I, I talked to him once. I was doing something for the program. I'm like, what do you hate most about Americans? And he's like, oh, I don't hate Americans. I'm like, hey, come on. He's like, well, they think we all live like it's Crocodile Dundee. We're getting our asses kicked by by fucking kangaroos all the time. <laughs> he's like, Americans are weird. <laughs> Although, uh, I do still have videos pop up on my Instagram feed of people who are going running and then a kangaroo does come and decide to have a go at them. Really? Yeah. I mean, it's not like, you know, it's not like, oh, I'm doing the shopping, it's Tuesdays, watch out for the roots. <laughs> you know, it's not like that. But, um, you know, if you, if you look hard enough, like uh, South Australia at the moment has a overpopulation of koalas. Which is great because they're endangered in a lot of areas in right. Australia, but um, South Australia's got a fair whack of them at the moment because they've, funnily enough, been doing some conservation work and, you know, populations grow when you don't kill them. Funny that. Um, so, <laughs> you know, yeah, so there's a, there's a lot of videos and stuff popping up of koalas that are sort of, you know, encroaching on built up areas and stuff like that. So, yeah. They're making a comeback. Wasn't, um, and this is, again, pure American ignorance, uh, before COVID happened, I'm just thinking now, wasn't Australia having some real bad fire issues, like wildfires? Or Look, it was only 50% of the country. Oh, only half the country. Only half the country. So, you know, not a big deal. And do you know how I know it wasn't a big deal? Because our Prime Minister, while 50% of the country was on fire, thought, I reckon I deserve a holiday in Hawaii. <laughs> Get out of Dodge. So, yeah. So he literally just packed up and went to Hawaii. Jesus. While the country was on fire. So, you know, and the sad part is that's probably not the lowest point of his Prime Ministership. Um. Yeah, Scotty from marketing is what we call him here. Uh, all about, yeah, and yeah. Look, I I know that uh, from an outsider looking in on American culture, um, you guys have a bit of reverence for uh, the president and the whole the <laughs> office of president. Well, you know, um, before the orange guy. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, there, there's there's a bit of process, and everyone sort of goes, "Yeah, I didn't, I didn't vote for that guy, but I understand that the office is important, and we should, you know, I can still criticise, but you know, that's the president, and we kind of got to, you know, do it, do it, Dad says, right? Yeah, yeah. Whereas here, we're like, nah, Scotty from marketing, that's what we call him. It's not, you know, <laughs> sir or anything like that. It's just Scotty." <laughs> Which is funny because that's actually very, very similar to the uh, Australian sketch in The Simpsons that they did <laughs> about uh, Bart and the big giant boot. We don't have a giant boot, just saying. But uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're pretty lax about some of that stuff. That's, uh, well, it, it, it's, it's good to hear from the perspective of, and I, I've said this personally many times, the US government is fucked up. But most governments are fucked up. Totally. Totally <laughs> agree. People, I, I was saying this earlier to someone. It, it, if you are so narcissistic to think, I should run a country, or in the U.S. president, I, I don't know if this is true, but I should be the most powerful person on the planet. What the fuck's wrong with you to think that? <laughs> like, why totally. would you think that? There was a um, uh, there was a really interesting book that I read, and it was fifteen things that psychopaths can teach us, and most of the examples were uh, political leaders. So uh, there was a and, and another I think there was another thing that I read that was talking about um, the it is more unusual for a very successful political leader 
to not have psychopathic traits or um yeah so i I, you know i just go what have we done (laughs) what have we done yeah it's uh uh you you just remind me of uh one of the marvel movies where Thanos invi- invisible there uh, made everyone disappear. What what just uh, happened? Oh yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> um, at, I saw a T-shirt the other day. What if Thanos was right? <laughs> well, hey, you you know what's fucked up is is someone said to me like, is uh, COVID like Thanos trying to eliminate half the population? I'm like, shut the fuck up. That's well. Uh... <laughs> Hasn't QAnon evolved? <laughs> <laughs> cough, cough. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a. Uh, you know, the sad thing is, I'm a. I'm a Those cons- lizard people just keep getting smarter. <laughs> the the QAnon people scare me, but I'm a conspiracy <laughs> theorist at heart too. So it's like, hmm. Do you know what? I think I think there's a difference between conspiracy theory innocent conspiracy theories and ones that can legitimately kill people. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I you know, I think it's having a firm grasp on reality and it's still okay to kind of go, oh, well, look, I don't know who killed JFK and I don't know what's in, you know, Area 53 or 50, whatever. 51, yeah. <laughs> Uh, in my head, I'm going Studio 54, and I go, that's a little bit different. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's it's okay because you're just going, oh, I don't know, I don't know, what about this, what about that? Oh, this is really interesting. Uh, as opposed to going, you know, there's microchips in um, inoculations and 5G causes coronavirus and all of this just literally making up stuff that really changes people's perspective and changes their personal health decisions to something that is against the accurate science so uh that's the part that i that i have a problem with right no it's fun to hypothesize it's different to just bastardize (laughs) yeah totally i mean but i think sometimes we're missing that line and algorithmically if we look at social media what happens is we end up with these echo chambers. So mm-hmm. if you if you go down a rabbit hole and you've got a bit of an interest in something and then the algorithm goes, ooh, you're liking a lot of stuff like that. So how about we get rid of all the other opinions and we just amplify that one opinion. So then all of a sudden you've lost your ability to, or not lost it, but you've made it harder to get a balanced view of what reality is because that becomes your new reality. Is it uh, scary at all as as a yes. non <laughs> well as a as a non US citizen, most of these companies that I feel like have taken a global uh, power you know, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube are American. Now I'm yes. I'm an American, I've never even thought of this idea, but isn't it scary to someone who doesn't live in America that all of these companies that are becoming so powerful are kind of centralized in one country. <laughs> well, they're, uh, they're genuinely centralized in the U.S. However, financially centralized right. in whatever countries gives them the, the best tax deals. And I think part of that is because the, uh, the and I mean this with no disrespect, the blind, anything goes at all costs uh, capitalist country that is the US means that as long as you're turning a profit and greasing the palms of the right people, you can do anything. I mean, look at Amazon. You know, I'm sure Jeff gets a notification on his phone uh, every time an employee goes to the toilet. You know, and look at your and look at your wage laws and tipping. The whole concept of tipping is so that your boss doesn't have to pay you a livable wage. Is that is tipping not a thing in? Uh, no, God no. You tipping tipping here is if you want to you can, but it's totally not not expected because 
if you pay a fair, ethical, livable wage and foreseeably treat staff well, they will look after your business and you don't have to say... My, and it, it just it just seems silly to me as an outsider going, yeah, here's a $2 burger or let, let's say here's a, here's a uh, $5 meal and yeah, it's $5 and then, oh, by the way, I'm going to add some taxes on top of that and, oh, by the way, uh, I'm not going to pay my staff properly so if you could just add an extra 10% on or 15% on to give to my staff because I don't want to pay them. It's just a lot of extra paperwork. You see, I've, I, I, I always, uh, the one thing I always say with that is I, I always classify that as uh, corporatism in the name of capitalism. It's the, the government just scratching the back of the big donors, you know, like, oh, you're, yeah. you're going you're, you're gonna to donate to my campaign? We'll call it free markets. And, yeah. and, and when the government shuts down, the mom and pop shops that are capitalists, they're gone. The Amazon, they're the only option. Hmm. Funny how that works. <laughs> so this is the interest, interesting thing. There's a lot of a lot of Americans, but there's also a lot of Australians and a lot of other people that go, oh, capitalism is the way. Okay, cool. Cool. And, oh, so you're a capitalist. Right. How much capital do you own? Oh, that's right. You don't own any major assets. You're not really a capitalist. You're just supporting a capitalist system that you're an employee in, not actually a capitalist. Right, and that's why I call it corporatist. <laughs> I mean, that's, totally. that's that's the you you are a a shill for a corporation. Absolutely, and absolutely. I I think that's what most governments now are. I mean, it, definitely oh, American attention. government. <laughs> attention goes where money flows. Yeah. So transparency over um, political donations, I think, is a really great thing. But, of course, no one's really keen on that because of where they're getting their money from, which is exactly why we need it. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, uh, well, politics has turned into a team sport <laughs> where yeah. you're, you're on one side or the other. It's not you have principles. It's that you root uh, you root for your team, no matter who. Team. And, and And I... You know what's funny? Now I'm beyond that politically. Where I, I, in America, so the, the Irish have a great saying: "It doesn't matter who you vote for, the government will always win." That is brilliant. <laughs> that is fantastic. That's the uh, and and I I tell people I'm like I'm libertarian. I don't uh, I hate everyone. <laughs> like. Not not human beings, but I hate all political people because they're all bad. Yeah. Uh, but uh, that's the... It, it's sad that it's become... Again, I'm a sports fan. I've, I've got a sports shirt. I've got a sports hat. I've got sport, I'm a sports fan. I'll root for... You, you put a convicted uh, criminal on my team, I'll say, yeah, fuck you if you insult him. He's my guy. <laughs> that's how people have become with politics. Yeah. That's not good. <laughs> That's not good. No. And you know what? As a sports team, my go, that doesn't... I mean, it has its own social implications, but they're not making policy. They're a sports team. They kick a ball. Right. You know? Right. But if you have that same approach to politics and you go, all right, suddenly it's the death penalty for a parking fine. I mean, that'll fix the population problem, but, you know... <laughs> You start making all these crazy rules or going, yeah, sure, I'll sign an executive order to do X, Y, Z. Great. Thanks for the coin. Well, a a executive orders, in in my mind at least, and again, I'm, I'm isolated in this country. I don't know much about foreign politics. Executive orders always seem terrible to me because one person shouldn't be making decisions for a whole country. Totally. See, uh, look, I understand the need for a few minor corrections to things and using sure. the executive function as it was intended in the spirit of what, how it was intended. And I think as the human brain evolves with systems, we tend to get into a stage where we go, um, as opposed to these are the powers that I have to use discriminately for 
the uses that they were issued to me for to a legal point of view, which is technically, am I doing something wrong? No, technically I can do that. But should you do that? It was like New York, New York City, for example, when they, you know, with the COVID stuff and they said that everyone can go out for Valentine's Day for dinner. So you can go out. It is legal for you to go out. But should you go out? No. That, and I think that's that's the big thing that we're missing. Well, I I think uh, again, this is something I've harped on a few times is uh, the the drug war, which is a thing in America, especially. I I think um, there is, there's no real war. I don't understand it. Well, because it's if adults. You, if you legal if you legalize the drug and tax it, drug war goes away. Right, and and so in America, we've had a lot of issues with uh, cops killing people, especially people of color. Guess what? Most of that's over. Little bits of weed, <laughs> shit like that. Yeah, but then uh, the other thing is, we also see uh, there was uh, plenty of uh, great uh, social experiments done. Whereas, if you actually look after everybody in your community. Drugs aren't an issue. Right. Well, I, I so think Portugal if you is... Have, if you have really good support systems for unemployment or real and really great employment opportunities in a fully functioning economy that doesn't rape and pillage people who are poor, then a lot of those things aren't as big an issue. However, if you have a major divide, or as the data says, if you have a major divide between the haves and have-nots then the have-nots are very creative because humans are and are trying to survive in any and every way that they can. And selling drugs is a calculated risk and then also becomes a lifestyle after a while. And then you become disillusioned with the system because you keep losing at it and it's designed for you to keep losing at it. Right. You know, so uh, I think the the war on drugs is a uh, symbol of a larger systemic issue where uh, particularly people of colour are still being oppressed and treated uh, in a way that is different to their white counterparts. Uh, And it's not just a problem in in the States. We also have uh, our own racial issues with our First Nations people here uh, who are also having some struggles. And I also fully acknowledge that we are uh, two white guys talking about (laughs) you know, oppression and all sorts of different things, which for us is a privilege to be, because that is our learned experience, not our lived experience. So, um, yeah, and I actually think it's a very good use uh, of anyone's time is to learn about other people's lived experiences so you can have more understanding, more context and more empathy. No, I I, I love that. And I think that's... uh... To be honest, I think that's somewhat lacking is is white guys, uh, you know, no matter what our upbringing is, openly uh, admitting <laughs> that there's problems and talking about it, knowing yep. that we, we don't personally know uh, the issues uh, as much as other people obviously do. Uh, and I didn't even mean to make this a political uh, podcast here with you, Ben. <laughs> but just going a weird direction there. <laughs> we we just went far to. <laughs> but but no, I it's um, I I do like the fact that that uh, you know, again, two white guys can be self. Uh, self-aware. Self-aware. Think. Yes, that's the word. <laughs> And also, and I think part of it is also calling privilege out as well. You know, when we when we say, "Oh, it's totally safe to walk the streets at night," well, of course it is because we're white guys. You know, right. it's not it's not it's not the same for a younger woman. It's not the same for a person of color. It's not the same, you know, for many other people. But we're top of the privilege tree, and I think it's important for us to call that out in the interest of encouraging equity and equality for everyone. No, oh, one hundred percent. And I'm I'm a spoiled uh, 
and I've admitted this many times, I will get blackout drunk. Now, I live in St. Petersburg, Florida, which I'm, I'm sure you don't know, but we've got a pretty good downtown scene, and I live about two and a half miles away, and you have to go through some bad areas. Now, I'm six foot two, about 250 pounds. No one fucks with me. <laughs> for, for multiple reasons. The, the homeless aren't going to fuck with me because I'm big. The cops aren't going to fuck with me because I'm white. <laughs> so I can walk home. Now, uh, there are women who obviously could not do that. There are black men who probably could not do that without... I've actually tried to get a cop's attention because I was drunk and thought maybe he'll give me a ride home. He wouldn't even... He glanced at me and just kept going. <laughs> if I was yeah. black, I bet I would have got his attention. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but, but again, that those little things, I I would agree, are are a complete privilege. Uh, and but if you don't know any different, you don't know that that's a privilege. So I didn't know that that was a privilege, and I didn't know <laughs> that anyone did anything different until I got out of my little bubble and actually started listening. To right. the stories of other people and other people that were different to me because we have this unconscious bias where we go, oh, I like you, you're kind of like me. So, yeah, we can be, we can be friends. Uh, and that's inherently how our, our human brains tend to work. But when you get outside that bubble, you find that uh, there is a not only a richness of stories and experiences, but a wonderful wealth of of and depth of people that are really amazing that you probably wouldn't normally have spoken to, um, giving you points of view and context that you never would have seen in your little privileged white bubble. So um, I, well, I think it's a, a wonderful and a very worthy use of your time or anyone's time is to go and experience something different. And calling out, when you understand it, calling out your privilege and trying to do what you can to, um, you know, correct the systemic issues that are there, um, you know, I'm, you know, you don't have to go and, you know, protest outside the bank or anything, but in every way, <laughs> in every day, there are ways that we can help to balance the scales from our position of privilege. Yeah. No, I... I uh... I'm trying to work on that, and uh, the system set up against uh, that happening because the status quo wants to keep it. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, and and they benefit from division amongst people. To be honest, they... very, very much so. And that goes back to the drug wars. That goes back to the tipping culture. That goes back to you know no health care. That goes back to all of these other things and they're just finding different ways to divide. But, you know, uh, I like the idea of whether I know you or not, whether you're like me or not, you're a human, let's be kind and everybody deserves to have, it's not a socialist idea, it's just a, you know, I, I don't want to see anyone homeless or starving or their kids starving. I want everyone to have the ability to have a decent job and get paid a livable wage, you know? And I think that's crazy. I just think that's respect and common sense. It's human. <laughs> human. Totally, totally. Not very funny, though, but... No, <laughs> well, uh, that, that, uh, you mentioned you had listened to a podcast. You probably didn't expect to be so serious with me. Um, that's that's my <laughs> fault, not that's, yours. <laughs> the direction it took. Um, but, uh, but Ben, uh, if, uh, for any of you listeners, if you are, if you are, uh, you know, bored or it's a little bit deep for you, don't stress, just scrub back to the beginning of the podcast when we were making dick jokes. Yes. Yes. And, and time travel jokes, right? <laughs> time travel and dick jokes. That's all, that's all you need. Go 88 in the DeLorean back to the dick jokes. Yeah. Uh, disappointing story. D very disappointing story. Uh, so 88 miles an hour in DeLorean. Absolutely correct. That is, that's, you know, with a flux capacitor, that's how you do time travel. Uh, however, I was in a DeLorean 
And I went, oh, this is so awesome. And then I've looked and I've gone, hang on. I only go up to 85. (laughs) That is the greatest joke ever. So if you get in a DeLorean, it only goes to 85, it's maxed out. (laughs) So You cannot cannot get 88 in a factory standard DeLorean. I think this is from a Marvel uh, movie too, but... So Back to the Future was bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who would have thought? <laughs> and you know what? I reckon if it wasn't, if the chassis wasn't so bloody heavy and it wasn't made of solid aluminium, then maybe it could get to 88. But at the moment, no, it's bloody heavy. <laughs> That's that's true. There's no way you could push that anywhere. No, that's true. The bag because I I used to want to own a DeLorean, and the body of that that's that's heavy. I hadn't even yeah. ever considered yeah. that until right now. So I've got a stainless steel fridge, and I just the fingerprints on that are. <laughs> that's uh, what you know. What's funny? I'm I'm trying to think. I think there were two like solid gold DeLoreans that were made or maybe three that you, yeah, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta look that up. I, I, I think they made, I think they only made DeLoreans three years and I believe they made them out of gold. One per you know, year. You are, you are absolutely correct. I've just checked it. If I, uh, if I ever became a multi-billionaire, I'm getting one of them. <laughs> Yes, yeah, some of them were finished in uh, 24 karat gold plating. Mm. Uh, DMC 12, going doors fiber. Uh, they had the old school fiberglass body structure, uh, but they were plated in 24 karat gold. So, yeah, there you go. And there's, there's pictures here on the internet as well. So, if you don't have a life like me, uh, you can actually <laughs> Google it and check it out. Um, do you know what? They look all right, but I. I I still like the idea of the old school, you know, metal ones. Oh, yeah. Way better, way better. Well, those are the only ones that time travel. (laughs) (laughs) The gold ones don't travel through time. It's a gimmick. It'll never take off. (laughs) (laughs) You can have a time machine or a gold car. Uh, (laughs) I know. I, I think I remember reading someone who owned one of those gold ones had a problem of people, like homeless people coming up and keying their car to get gold chips off of it. I don't know if that's true or if that was a joke someone told me. Don't have to be homeless. No, that, that's true. I, 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 I'd do no, it if I was desperate. Keying the car because you know the owner's a wanker and he's got a gold car. <laughs> <laughs> I I get the yeah. big I get the big pickup truck because you got a small deck, but you got to get a gold plated car. You must have a micro penis. Yeah, absolutely. back to the penis joke. Because, because that is the car you chode. <laughs> well, Ben, I uh, I really I really appreciate you tolerating me. Oh. It's not tolerating, it's accepting, because we're mates. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, you, are, uh, you are hilarious, and you are great to talk to. Um, uh, I, I, I don't want to neglect. Uh, do you have any plugs, any, uh, any place people should go to see you or find you? Um, look, super easy. Everything is Ben Sorensen 1, at Ben Sorensen 1, because some other bastard took Ben Sorensen. So... <laughs> Uh, ben Sorensen one on all the socials, and if you want to check out some of the shows I'm doing, uh, bensorensen1.com for all the information. And Jeff, thanks so much for the chat as well, and also for being such a great sport about um, honestly opening up about American culture for this little Australian fella. So it's it's really wonderful, and, and thanks for sharing so many great stories as well. Oh man, it's 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 been a fun time, and uh, I I really enjoyed it. And again, thank you for. Uh, hopping on and it's the number one not the the word one correct 
Yeah, it is the number one. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm not so fancy that I spell numbers with letters. <laughs> I live in one of them neighborhoods. That's that's high level shit right there. <laughs> Isn't it? Can you imagine if you get up to like eight? That's a lot of letters. <laughs> so many vowels. <laughs> oh my god! And well, that's how two. you know they're rich because they had to buy a vowel. <laughs> Well, Ben, thanks again, man. I had a lot of fun, and I I do appreciate you coming on, man. Beautiful. Thanks, buddy. All right. Have a good one. You too. So that was me and Ben Sorensen. (laughs) Defeated my expectations as far as how much fun I could have in that conversation um that was my first international guest too so i think it went well and we we had a good uh, discussion actually after the podcast as well uh can't encourage you enough to check out ben on other podcasts and uh just what he's doing he is very funny, and uh, a lot of fun to talk to, and, uh, you know, if I'm ever rich enough to do uh, Comedians in Cars with Coffee, you bitch your ass, I'm getting a gold DeLorean, and driving Ben Sorensen around town, so, uh, hey, I beg of you always to follow, like, subscribe, uh, if you've got an iPhone, do the five-star review and rating and all that shit. Uh, you know the drill, right? Like the Facebook, follow me on Twitter, blah, 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 blah. Uh, anyways, <laughs> I'm having a lot of fun, uh, doing this podcast thing and we'll see where it goes. I've got some more great guests lined up. And this train is rolling. I don't know if that's a saying because I'm not very good at sayings. Anyways, hope you enjoyed it. I'll see you in a few days. Peace.